and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Oh, he's drilled home by Steve Davis. Dear, then he comes back to Sam. Oh, he's gone! And now it's Johnson. That is a hugely important goal, which may just keep Rochdale in League One. Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean and I'm joined, as always, by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you very much, mate. Good stuff. Rye's with us as well. Rye, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, thanks, Dean. And Luke, if you've finished that, that mouthful, mate, how are you getting on? I'm all right, thank you, mate. I'm all right. <laughs> what are you eating? I've got like a, um, it's a pucker pie. Potato, cheese and leek. And um, I had uh, two, you know, the uh, finest section in M&S. The um, it was crumpets with like shredded ham and um, like cheese. You know what? I don't, I don't shop in MS, but I was gonna say I was disappointed with you just sticking to a pucker pie given your, your culinary exploits of past, but I think you won me back round with them. Do not date me. What was I telling you before the pod? <laughs> Do not date me, fella. <laughs> Um, so we've got two Dale defeats to talk through, or we could talk um, through the supporters' teams for two victory over Halifax on uh, on Bank Holiday Monday. But for now, I think we'll stick to the Dale games. And it was yeah, two two more defeats. Although Ryan, I guess the uh, the positive is that there's not too much riding on these games at the moment. But we'll start with that with that defeat at Exeter, and Dale started quite brightly actually against the team chasing promotion. But once again, we faded and and. Yeah, the poor record away from home goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. We, we've not been very good away from home, but, you know, Exeter away, they're going for the title, I think. I think they can win the title, can't they, on every weekend? They probably will, actually. They'll be top now. Um, So you sort of don't expect it, but you, you can take that one. Um, There have been some other away games that are a bit more disappointing than, you know, perhaps going down at Exeter, but... I think, yeah, the, the poor run's the most worrying thing. Um, I know I was speaking to a couple of people and we were saying we've travelled like over 2,000 miles in the last six or seven away games and scored one, um, which is poor regardless of what level you're at, who you are. I'd be surprised if there's a team that's worse than that, actually, on a worse run than that away from home. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's not good enough, um, but was I expecting anything? Probably not. Um, and that's not because of how negative I've been, but more because of how good I think Exeter are or have been recently. Yeah, Luke, would you agree with that? Is that a fair assessment? I mean, Exeter did look in that second half once they had control of the game like a team that, that are fighting for promotion, whereas we certainly haven't looked like that, have we, this season, especially not on the road? Yeah, it's like Rai said, I suppose, you know, in isolation, you, you've got to take that kind of, you know, you, you just take it and move on from it. Exeter have had a good season. Um, there was a lot made about it pre-match, about the kind of crowd that they were going to get. Um, so I, I, I didn't I didn't have any confidence whatsoever, really, in, in kind of just the trajectory that Exeter are on, big crowd. Um, I wasn't at the game, but I have been I have been Exeter a couple of times before and they do get behind the team as well quite well. Um, so I just thought, you know, there's, there's there's a fair bit going against us and 
Um, you know, we didn't really have a lot to play for ourselves. So I kind of, I was a little bit, a little bit worried really. But um, I think by all accounts, looking at the highlights and whatnot, we actually started okay, um, but just wasn't able to to kind of follow it through really. And um, two soft goals though as well, I'd say. Um, you know, I know, I know kind of every time you concede a goal, you, you, you probably lean in towards it being avoidable and whatnot. But I thought they were too... Two very soft goals, really. We didn't really have to make. They didn't have to work that hard for him, which, which is probably more disappointing than, than the result itself. In a, I know that sounds a little bit weird, but um, yeah, that's what that's what disappointed me. Yeah, chap. I think that's been the story, hasn't it? In these recent away games, um, yeah. Ryan alluded to the two thousand miles there, where we've only seen one goal, no points. I, that was actually the one game out of that run that I missed was the one that we scored in. So. I think it's been about 1,600 miles without seeing a goal for me now. Um, do we need to see a bit more away from home? I'm not saying that you know we should be competing with Exeter and beating Exeter, but most of these displays away have been pretty spineless and have left a lot to be desired. And Do you think those fans that are kind of putting those hours in and, and that time in deserve a little bit more? Yeah, of course they do. Um, it, it costs a fortune watching, watching us away from home. Um, I've done it more this season than recent seasons and by and large it's been pretty woeful on the road um, the games against Stevenage um, that sticks in my mind um, is it the second half against Carlisle or the first half can't remember but just poor results really really poor results and yeah the, the supporters are there every week um, regardless of, of how we're doing, they do deserve a bit more. Um, that, like I like said, that run of form is poor at any level. Um, and it's something that, that definitely needs addressing um, going into next season. And hopefully it will be. But yeah, the, the home form has been an awful lot better without being spectacular um, and that in a sense has probably kept us from from looking down at the uh, the bottom of the table I think so yeah in answer to your question they do they deserve a lot more yeah and right I think I raised the point a few weeks ago that when Keith Hill first came in and, and we had that really exciting run one of his mantras was no fear home and away and I think at the moment what we're seeing is the kind of fear we used to see before Keith Hill in those those darker days. And I think that's something that's really worrying the supporters, isn't it? Because for a long time, we were the kind of team that would turn up to, to bigger teams or teams fighting for promotion and, and would try and turn them over. And yet we seem to be going down with a whimper in a lot of these games. Yeah, I think that applies to home games a lot of the time this season as well. Um I think we've got away with it a few times at home because teams don't come out of, at you as much. Um, so I think that's led to what's been a pretty bo- well boring season because a lot of the home games we're playing like we do away from home. And then the away teams are also playing like an away side. So it's just almost two teams not doing very much. Um, and then when we go away and we play in a similar fashion, teams are going to come out at you a bit more. And I think that's what's led to what's been a pretty dour season away from home. And 
you know, you can point to the unbeaten run at home, um, but a lot of draws in that. And I think that tells the story for me in that we've not really, you know, some teams do set up away from home negatively, but then at home they'll come out at you and play with that no fear that you've just alluded to. I don't think we have too much this season. Um, when we have, I think we've actually looked okay. Um, but we haven't done it enough. Um, and that's why I've not gone and spent my money to go and watch away from home. Um, and respect to those that have done. Um, but I've just almost felt like, you know, what's coming. And I've watched quite a lot of them on iFollow. Um, and even then you feel like you're, you're sort of wasting your time and money on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got to change next season. We've got to go back to that. And, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting that full throttle every week, like when Keith Phil first took over. But you've got to see it every now and again, particularly against the what are terrible teams towards the bottom of this league. You know, it's, it's not a great league at the top, I don't think. But particularly those down at the bottom, you want to see more from us against them because... I think we've all said it's not it's not been a good league this. No, and and I think one well well the team that have struggled the most all season has been Scunthorpe and that is the last team we beat away. But even in that game, we needed to come from behind after probably the worst forty five minutes of the whole season in the first half. So it's not as if we've been even in the games we have won away for a long time playing well. Um Obviously, earlier in the season, you could pinpoint the, the the Northampton and the Port Vale games where we put in good performances, those kind of no-fear performances, but it feels like it's been a very, very long time since we put in a, a, an all-round solid display away from home, and it doesn't give me a lot of um, hope for next season, following us on the road. I don't know if I'll be travelling as much as I have this season, um, but as I said, after the Sutton game, sometimes, you know, the football is the least important part of the day when you're travelling away watching Dale. Um Luke, you, you kind of alluded to it with your last answer, but the, the best two chances of the game for Dale came early on and they both fell to Jimmy Keowain. Um, like I think we all agree that he's one of our probably one of our most dangerous attacking threats from, from wing-back, but does it maybe show a bit of a weakness to the system if our best chances are falling to our wing-back rather than our strikers? I mean, I know we'll come on to the, to the Bristol Rovers game in a moment and, and the goals that Luke Charman scored in that, but... We've all alluded to the fact that he struggled to get chances so far, and yet our wing backs popping up with two chances in the first few minutes of this game. Does it maybe does it maybe point to a system that's not quite working the way it should be? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, potentially. I mean, I think I think we've kind of said it. The system that we play for me does restrict us going forward. You know, there's been many a game where we've <clears throat> not been able to kind of you know create very much at all since since January. I would say. Um, you know, you, you could maybe highlight obviously losing Beasley and Morley, you know, playing a part in that, but um it wasn't like we didn't, you know, kind of invest again and and and, and replace those players. Um but yeah, I think I think the formation has definitely played a part with regards to how restrictive we've been in how we do get forward. Um I think one thing that Jimmy Cahan's good at when he when he does play in that position is the timing of the runs that he makes are, are excellent. He's he's kind of he goes in, and I don't think that should be underestimated. Like I don't think we should take anything away from Jimmy K for that because I mean that's something that he's shown over the last couple of years that you know he's he's kind of he's very good at that. And maybe that comes from you know his previous time as a midfielder, um, you know where he can kind of time those runs and and sneak in at the back stick. You know he scored a lot of goals last season. 
um, for just kind of ghosting in. Um, you know, the part, there are parts of the pitch that maybe, you know, the, a defender will just kind of um, just switch off to for a moment. And before you know it, Jimmy Kay's in a dangerous position. Um, I do think we kind of do set ourselves up to try and, you know, build up and, 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 and create opportunities for kind of that back stick kind of runner. We definitely did do last season more so. That was definitely a kind of a, a key part of, of our attacking play. And um, I think Jimmy Kay's kind of rightly carried that positive on um, in, you know, grabbing a goal or two and um, and grabbing a few opportunities for himself as well. Um, but, yeah, you know, in answer to your question, it is a little bit worrying because, you know, you, your main threats, um, you know, taking the Bristol Rovers game aside, I suppose, haven't really been getting too many sniffs and they've been doing a lot of dirty work, a lot of doggy work and um, for not much reward. Uh, I'm bringing, bringing it forward to the Bristol Rovers game um, on Saturday. Ryan, it, there was plenty more positives to focus on from this game, but we've still managed to lose from a from a very comfortable position. And again, questions are raised kind of about the mentality of the team, aren't they, after a result like that? Yeah, they are, but it was much more what I want to see that. Um, I think I said it when we realised we were safe, we might as well go and lose 4-3 every week, but I just want to see us give it a go. Um, and we we did that. Um, I think it was a, a really good game. Uh, two teams going at it. I think we we were a much better side in the first half. I think second half, we were under the cost for a lot of it, but still had chances. You know, Cashman's got a score. I think Charman's got a score when he goes through. I think he should have got his hat-trick um, when he put it wide. And... Yeah, um, I think you look at the goals we've conceded and be poor when we shouldn't lose that game from where we were. Um, but I think it said it all with my confidence in the team when as soon as they scored the first one in the second half, I put a tenner on Bristol Rovers to win. Um, so that was a nice little bonus for the Saturday evening. Um, but yeah, it, disappointing to lose. I think it says a lot about almost... Yeah, the backbone, but the physicality. You look at a few of the goals and you some of the challenges that have been put in in the build-up to them are just not strong enough. You know, you look at... I think you, you watch Briley for, I think, the first goal and that's evidently not his game. I thought he was really good, actually, on Saturday, but he's on the edge of his box trying to put tackles in and he just couldn't get very well strong enough. Max Taylor was embarrassing for one of the goals. I can't remember which one, but he's like, I just can't believe a centre half been pushed off a ball like that. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of the other goals are just are just weak and all similar, which is even more annoying. Um, but really good game, and I I enjoyed it even though we lost. I, I enjoyed the game, and it was one of those games where I thought there's a bit of no fear football here. Um, and yeah, nice to see Charman get two as well. Well, yeah, Chaff, let's focus on Luke Charman for a moment. We've been waiting, haven't we, for those goals? And I said to, to Ryan before kickoff, I'd take a draw if Charman can get on the score sheet in this game. And well, I suppose I'll have to take a loss if he's got on the score sheet twice. Um, he, he took the first one really well. And yeah, hopefully he'll be able to kick on from there, won't he? It was, it was a really good performance for him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it'll have done him the world of good because we all know the longer that these barren spells go on, the harder it becomes, the more pressure 
he's put on them. And I think, was it 17 games, maybe 16, 17 games without a goal? Um, it will have made some supporters think, have, have, have we made the right purchase? Is this a... Is this going to is this signing going to work out? And I think that those two goals, um, I thought they were both excellent goals. Um, the first one's a brilliant finish, and I think that'll have um, that'll have done him the world of good. And I think it'll have done some of the supporters that m- where doubts may have been creeping in. Um, I think it'll make reassure them a little bit that, that we've we've evidently got a, a, a decent player here. Um, I thought his all-round game was really good. I thought I'd, I'd, I don't think he stopped running, um, especially all first half. I mean, you take that performance um, against Bristol Rovers and you compare that to the one away at Stevenage where he barely got a, a touch, um, never got in front of his marker once, just looked completely shot of confidence. Um and I think this will do, this will do him an absolute world of good, um, and I'm quite excited for what he can add next season, having had a full pre-season. Um, and so I'm I'm hoping that he, he hits the ground running. And Luke, I suppose you can rinse and repeat a lot of those things that Chaffer just said about Ethan Briley. It was a a fine performance from him, wasn't it? Having been pretty much frozen out for the majority of the season. Um, Obviously, he's not quite physically at the level that you would expect for most League Two players, but in terms of quality, his passing was was excellent. And, yeah, really, really encouraging to see a young talent and a Dale fan as well, no less, come in and, and put in such a good performance. Yeah, I mean, that that's what I want to see. I want to see lads come through from the youth team and, and get given the opportunity if, they, if they're good enough. Um, and Briley, for me, he did look good enough. He um, he did look, he, comparing him to the last time I saw him, I thought he's he's kind of grown a little bit. But again, yeah, physical wise, physicality wise, uh, not there. But um, he made a lot of the passes look easy and and simple, almost to the point where you wouldn't necessarily compliment it because he made it look that easy. Um, and that's just like one of the big differences I've kind of seen between League One and League Two is is that kind of measure of pass, the the weight of pass and how it kind of is consistently in League One, it kind of felt as though, especially against the better teams, the weight of pass was very consistent and, you know, played in the path of players. And I know it's saying simple, we all kind of know that that's what you want to try and achieve when you're passing the ball. But um, from consistency level, I, I think that's like a big difference that I've seen between League One and League Two, where you play that ball slightly behind the the player that you you're putting it to, and it just scuppers a scuppers an attack even by a second, and all of a sudden, you know, the complete phase of play is, has changed. Uh, whereas Briley's passing was was really perfect, um, which is good to see, and that 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 suggests that he's got you know he's got talent. Um, he was positive with it as well, always looking for it didn't shy away which is kind of what I want to see because you know he's playing in a game that whilst it didn't mean much to us necessarily it, it meant a lot as far as you know with big away following Bristol Rovers were, were were well up for it obviously um you know and he didn't shy away from the occasion which I also would say is is, is a positive um I think probably what's key is I think we all want to see him 
feature more next season. It's just probably complementing and protecting the weaknesses that that comes with selecting Briley. Um, unless he was to kind of really truly develop over over preseason and and turn into a beast, but um, if you were to su- assume that we see a similar kind of player. It's how how do we protect to complement it as well? Um, you know, with with personnel and and, and with tactics and, and formation. But good to see him. Uh, look forward to seeing more of him. Um, look forward to seeing how someone like him, you know, how he develops. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the stuff that excites me because when you support Rochdale, it's not about kind of you know, it's not necessarily about um, being the best team in the world, is it? You get your wins through seeing um, things like this for me. Um, and, you know, he, he needs to be given the opportunity as far as what I can see so far. And hopefully he'll get that next season. I think Luke's of an nail on my head in terms of, I think Briley, from what we saw, his passing, I don't need to say much more. I think Luke summed it up perfectly, but you've got to, compliment him and I think that's something we've struggled with all season is getting a balance in midfield and I think it's been made even harder that by the fact that with the obsession with two in there um, so I think if it's going to be a five at the back um, again next season which from a couple of conversations we had at the weekend it sounds like it's going to be I think you've got to find a way to get three in midfield and that obviously means having two strikers which I don't mind because then you can get a midfielder pushing on. And if we can get a couple of attacking wing-backs like we've had at times this season, I think that could work quite well, as much as I don't want to see five at the back. Um, I just think that with players like your Kellys, like your Morleys, like your Brileys, they can't play in a midfield two for me. Um, not, in league, not in league two, because... There's not enough protection around them and be being asked to do jobs that they, well, quite frankly, not very good at and don't need to be because they've got all the talent in the world with the ball. Um, they just need, we need to find a way to get a balance in midfield or else I don't see us being successful in this league, to be honest. Yeah, and, we, and, and kind of feeding into that, we won't get the best out of players like Briley and Kelly by playing them in a two, will we even? I think... I think Ball is the kind of player who can probably do that, but you probably need someone similar next to him, um, yeah. so one can sit and one can push. And I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I'm I'm fully in agreement. To be honest, I think normally what you normally see when teams play a three slash five at the back is that they do play three central midfielders and two strikers. I think it's been a more recent thing, hasn't it, where it's become more of a three four three that we've seen at a higher level. Um, I would want more from the left fullback or left wing-back position than we've seen this season. Um, and I think if Corey O'Keefe leaves as well, which I suspect he will, I think we'll be really weak in those areas. I can't see us replacing him with a player as good. Um, if if we do, then that'll be a brilliant signing. Um, so, yeah, I'd worry if, if if the plan is to stick with the with the current setup next season, that would worry me a little bit. And Chaffa, I think tactically, there were maybe a few things we got wrong on Saturday as well. I, I noticed a few sort of questions being raised when Cashman came on, for example, and, and it felt like we had a little bit less going forward once he did, and that's probably a bit harsh on him. But when you've got a player like Udu on the bench, who, okay, he's not the most prolific or, or his end product's maybe lacking, but he has that pace that can carry you forward on the counter-attack, which was obviously going to be the case whilst Bristol Rovers were pushing for that game. 
do you think maybe Stockdale got it slightly wrong in, in, in sitting so deep and maybe not bringing Udo on instead of Cashman on Saturday? Um, I thought that substitution was a, a bizarre one, to be honest. I thought it was absolutely screaming out for Udo to come on, um, just to be able to move us further up the pitch. Because um, Cashman doesn't do that. Um, I'll be honest, since November, October, November, we've seen next to nothing from, from Danny Cashman. So it seemed a strange substitution for me. But um, it, it, it didn't pay off at all. I thought it was a bit chaotic. The, the last sort of 15 minutes or so, it, it was it was chaotic. So I don't necessarily blame tactics on any anyone in particular. I think it's very much an on-field, it's very much something for the on-field general to, to try and sort of calm down the situation uh, and I don't think we did that so the, the goals that we conceded were were garbage to be to be honest with you um, whether they were offside or not um, and yeah go, going back to Rye's point about playing a, a midfield three as opposed to a two I'd like to see that but I'm struggling to find out to, to think of a way that you that you make that work with the players that we've got because in an ideal world, I think we, I think you want Kelly being more advanced than what he's played this season. Um, but at the same time, you also want Conor Grant in there because Conor Grant, these last few weeks has been excellent. Um, he's really started chipping him and to get the best out of him, I think he needs to play central. Um, so he'd be he'd, he'd probably be your, your more advanced midfielder, and then you need somebody to sit. Whether that can be James Ball or not, I don't know. Um, so I think the I think the recruitment over the summer will dictate what system we we, we sort of go with next season. I'm not of the opinion that it's three at the back or nothing. I think if we if we manage to get two good centre halves in. Um, that there's a lot more room for manoeuvre than there was probably last summer. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I genuinely can't wait to see what we do this summer in terms of recruitment and trying to, trying to at least improve the squad, whether it's, ta- whether tactically or not, we, we can make those changes mid game that we've needed to. Because um, yeah, I agree with you. Tactically, it wasn't brilliant the last sort of, 20 minutes or so, but I don't know how much of that is down to the events unfolding on the pitch. I don't know whether it contributed. Basically, it, it seemed like Bristol Rovers were just throwing absolutely everything at it um, and it was quite difficult to deal with. But, yeah, it was a it was a bizarre end to the game, weren't it? Very, very frustrating. Yeah, I think that's when you've got to take the pressure off with players like with players like Udo though. When you're under the cosh like that, players like Udo can take the ball and carry it forward. And I think Absolutely. what I would say in terms of the recruitment this summer, I'd hope that there's a plan in place and we sign players to fit that plan rather than what it felt like this season is that the plan fell into place after we've signed players. Um, I, for me, I'd be looking at bringing in a, a a ball winner like we've said all season. 
And I'd be looking at playing Ball instead of Kelly alongside Grant in front of that ball winner. Um, and then I think Kelly's a player who, if he hits form again, could be really exciting and would maybe be one to slot in if Grant was to move on, which I suspect he will, if not in the summer, then in probably in January, if he keeps playing the way he's doing at the moment. So, but yeah, I think I think a ball winner in midfield that can sit and not do anything too fancy, but offer us a little bit more physicality would be make a massive difference to this team. And I think one other point I wanted to make is um, you touched on maybe getting two good centre-backs, but for me, our best two players this season have been two of our centre-backs. So I struggle to see us kind of upgrading on them two. And Ryan, one of them, one of those two players is Owen O'Connell, who at the awards do on Saturday, swept up with four of the awards. I think it's fair to say you're one of his biggest fans. Um, what, what was the awards do like? Generally, I didn't go myself, but also... Kind of, I'll let you eulogise over Owen O'Connell one last time before before the summer when it looks like he might be leaving. Um, yeah, I suppose I'll start with the awards. Do um, it was nice to see everybody in the same place um, again, which it felt like it's been a while since we had that sort of night. Um, I think I saw quite a few of the players talking to a lot of the kids and signing the posters and what have you. Um, if I'm to put any kind of dampener on it, I thought the players and the manager left pretty sharpish. Um, and the, but the board stuck around. Um, I know that happened last time um, in terms of the players going, but I think BBM stuck around. I think Josh Lewis stuck around and there were a couple of the other staff and, and players stuck around for most of the night. Um, it's rather a bit disappointing, but, but good to see everybody. Um, a lot of familiar faces, but um, yeah, I think losing O'Connell is going to be massive. I don't think you can replace him with a like for like. We're not going to get another centre back who's as good on the ball as him. Um, that's absolutely certain. Um, but I think he offers more than that, and he's got his, you know, drawbacks. You know, he's got very little pace. Um, he probably doesn't win as much in the air as you'd perhaps like a centre-back to do in both boxes, um, particularly when he's challenging. He doesn't score enough goals from corners in particular. But there were times last season and this season where he's seemed like a magnet in the box and he's put his body on the line, he's got in the way of shots, he's got in the way of crosses, um, you know, and he's stopped vital attacks on numerous occasions. And I I genuinely don't believe we'd have been as safe as we are now without Owen O'Connell this season. Um, you think of a players that would have had to come in to replace him, you know, Sam Graham, Max Taylor would have had to play him more than he has done. Um, Jim McNulty would have had to play more than he has done, albeit when he has played this season, I think he's done okay. Um but I just think he's he's one of those players that clearly most of the fans like him and, and see what he offers because he won't support us player. But there are still supporters who, bafflingly to me, although you can't really argue with opinions because they're opinions, it, it just... I think they'll see how good he was when he's gone. I think he's going to be one of those types of players. But um, 
he's one of those players I'll see how his career goes and see where he ends up and see how well he does. Um, I'll be interested to see how far he goes in the game. Um, I'd be disappointed if he's not in at least League One next season. If he goes to another League Two side, I'd be absolutely gutted. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I've. It's not often you like watching a centre back, and I've absolutely loved watching Owen O'Connell. Um, I know we've had a couple of you. You, you probably look pulling back first now because you're thinking about you know Craig Dawson and maybe Nathan Stanton's of this world who were quite fun to watch. But um, Owen O'Connell's just been a joy to watch for me, and yeah, I'll I'll miss him, and I'll be interested to see how we replace him, um, and what kind of defenders we we get in. Because, um, like I said, we're not going to get anyone anywhere close to as good on my ball as him. For what it's worth, mate, I was pulling that face on behalf of all centre backs everywhere. Oh. <laughs> um, six. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we're going to touch on the release list now before finishing up with our game because I think by the time we next chat, it's more than likely going to be. Um, common knowledge who's being retained and who's being released so I want to get your thoughts on on the players um, who are out of contracts in the coming weeks and Luke I'm going to come to you first with uh, with the goalkeepers so obviously both Jay Lynch and Joel Coleman are out of contract would you be looking to keep either of them going into next season maybe one as a backup or maybe both of them um, I'd, I'd look to offer Lynch a new deal I think he's done I think he's done he's done alright since uh, since coming back into the team back end of the season. Um, but I'd still look probably, you know, I think in years gone by, we've utilised the loan market quite well on the goalkeepers. And um, for me, I'd be looking to try and replicate what we've done in years gone by, by, by bringing in, a, a, you know, a, a keeper on loan, possibly from a Prem team who's got a good reputation. And um, I'd having Lynch as, as someone who can... Um, Provide that, provide that backup and competition, but you know, hopefully, someone that that keeper can kind of you know learn aspects from as well to a certain extent. So yeah, I'd offer Lynch a new deal as a number two. Jeff, I'll come on to you with the next one, um, and we'll go with Owen O'Connell. I mean, after everything Ryan's just said, I think it's pretty obvious what what the answer to that one is going to be. It's a bit of a moot point, isn't it? Um, he's not going to stick around, but in you absolutely offer him whatever you can to, to stay within within reason. Um, but I think it's incredibly unlikely that he will. Um, but yeah, you'd, you'd like him to stay, but I think we've got to prepare um, to, to go without him. Maybe he's the, maybe he's been the reason for that. We've, that we've gone with the back three all season. Cause that, I know Ryan alluded to it there, but it was absolutely, evident in a couple of points on Saturday that that lack of pace can really get him into trouble um, if he's if he ventures a bit further forward so maybe, maybe that's part of the, the reason behind going with the back three maybe if we've got a couple of more solid no-nonsense defenders it might suit playing the back two a bit more but I don't know you'd, you'd, you'd absolutely keep him Um because I think he's been magnificent. But I think the, the writing is on the wall, and I don't think it's our wall. Yeah, I unfortunately agree. And I think the same can probably be said about Corey O'Keefe. Um, Ryan, where would you stand on him? I think 
It's probably not as unanimous as O'Connell. There's a few that haven't been happy with the way he's played since coming back. But I think the last few weeks he's shown the kind of quality that he has. And it'd be, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, it'd be very good to keep him for me. Yeah, I've been one of those who's been really disappointed since January since he came back. Um, but I'd offer him a deal on the basis that I, I don't think we can get anybody better than him. Um, and I think we proved that in January by chasing him till deadline day or whenever it was. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely offer him one. If he wants to be here. And Luke, uh, one that has been, let's say, controversial within the within the podcast WhatsApp in the last few weeks. Stephen Dooley, which way do you land on him at the moment? Still stand by what I said about him last week, Dean. I think um I think I think we, we should offer him a new deal. I think he's earned himself a new deal. I think he's been Again, of the players that have, have been with us all season, um, if you're judging him on on this season's performances, I know the stats would suggest that he's not been, you know, he's not been that dangerous at one end of the field, he's not been that good in tackles and all that lot. But for me, he does knit us quite well together and he's been top three, top three best players, I'd say, for us, for me. I, I, I honestly, I can't think of... Um, can't think of many that have had better seasons than him. And I know it's been a disappointing one, but um, I like him. I like him. I think he's got a part to play. Don't get me wrong. I think if we are going to look to improve as a team and we are going to look to to look towards competing at, at kind of a, a playoff spot next year, um, if, if that's the aim, um, I think Stephen Dooley plays his part as a squad player uh, within that. But... Um, not only do I think he deserves it on on kind of his performances, but I think kind of, again, I think there's something to it with regards to that longevity with the club. Um, we've gone through so much change. And for me, I just feel so it's not a bad thing to have, you know, one or two that have been part of the club for a while. I, I, I don't know. It just feels like it means more to those kind of players for some reason. They understand the club more. Um but yeah, yeah, I think Dooley's earned himself a, a new deal as long as it's not breaking the bank and you know he 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 fits in the squad as a squad player next year. Well, Chaffit, one other player who, who kind of brings that longevity and, and knows the club very well, who's also out of contract is Matt Doan. Now I think I know what you're gonna say about Matt Doan, but uh, where do you land on him? Would you offer him a new deal or not? Nope. Um for, you know, he's he he's been a good servant to the football club. I'm grateful for that last maybe three years. It just seems like he does absolutely nothing till about February, March, and then kicks on when a, a, a contract is, is up for renewal. And brutally honest, I don't think he's deserved his last two contracts. Um, he's getting on towards mid-30s now. Um He's not scored since probably before the pandemic. I don't think. Um, I get that he. I get that he has a specific role in the side. He's a. He's a, a pressing forward. He'll um, he'll pull defenders one way or another, and maybe that goes unnoticed in a lot of quarters. But I just. Yeah, I don't 
think he's worth another deal, if I'm honest. Um, same with Demi Dooley. Um, I noticed she didn't come to me with that one. Um, after the WhatsApp conversation, don't see it with Dooley. He's gone from being a, a 4 out of 10 in League 1 to being a 5.5-6 in League 2, and I just think we can do an awful lot better than him. I get the whole long, longevity and familiarity aspects of it, but no. We haven't done better than him, though, have we? He's, he's, no, he's 6 out of 10 has been better than most. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. He's He's been one of our better players, and whilst he's not been amazing... I can't. I don't think we should bank on being able to recruit from outside eight or nine players that are all going to be better than Dooley. Based I, on recruitment so far, I agree with that. I think the issue for me is that if we're going to sign eight or nine players, there's absolutely no guarantee they're all going to be good. And I think with Dooley, what you get is consistency, but he doesn't offer a lot. And I think if you're going to say, right, he's going to be a squad player. I don't see that because I think he can play one specific role and I don't want to bring him off the bench because I don't think he's going to, even though he doesn't score or assist goals. So, That's exactly my point. If, you, if you're looking to have him as a, as a squad player, how, how does Stephen Dooley change a game? Not, not, not as an impact player, as a squad player where when you've got your injuries, he comes in, he does his job, you can rely on him, you know what you're going to get. And then he goes back out again when, when once the star man comes back, kind of thing. But if that's the case, if we're saying next season we want to see a midfield three that has a sitter and, and someone who knits play together, and then someone who's a bit more progressive. If Dooley's that player that knits play together, but as a squad option, it's literally one job that he can do. And I want squad options who can play all three of those roles, preferably. If, they, if they're not going to be as good enough to start in one, I want them to at least be capable in two or three. And I, I personally think he's capable in the Conor Grant role or the newbie Udu Cashman position. Again, I'm not saying he's that he's brilliant and that he's you know he's, he's he's amazing and I can't see what you're saying. I'm just thinking you know there's been times this year where I don't know like I I, I prefer to see a Dooley than a Broadbent. You know. Yeah, like, but, uh, yeah, but is that is that the bar? Exactly. That is the bar, yeah. That's the bar that's been set by the manager. That's the bar that's been set, exactly. It should have been, though. And I don't see us us signing 89 players that are going to be of a better standard than your 6 out of 10 that you you speak of. Because we've not... Name name the players that Stockdale signed so far that have been better than 6 out of 10. That have been better than Dooley. That have performed better than Dooley this season. Who's been better than Dooley that he signed? I think Kelly's been better than Dooley. I, I think, think the, that's debatable. And I think... I think it's, it's debatable. It's just that, that I, I, that's what I think. And over I think. the course of the entirety Assistance of the season, goals. the entirety of the season, I'm not, I, I think he's been, he's cost us more than what Dooley has as well. I think that's why there's such a split on him. But there's, there's room for players in a squad that maybe don't ever win you a game if they've got match winners around them. And maybe we've like that. If we had two or three more of those, then maybe Dooley would be more appreciated, but because we need players who are going to score and assist goals, looking at his stats and 40 appearances in all competitions, zero goals and four assists, it's not enough. No way yeah. it's enough. There's a perception that in order to have your match winners and whatnot, then the the, the player that complements your match winner is the player that's an hard fucker in defensive midfield who's bald and can tackle but can't play football. It doesn't always have to be like that. I know Dooley isn't that kind of player, but I think we like even I like you have a tendency to think of your Kavanaghs, your Keith Keynes, and that, um, your Jason 
tailors that complement those ball players that that can play around him. And I get it, I get that, and I get that that's what we need. But at the same time, I still think the knitting the play together kind of style is a little bit underrated. Keeping the ball comfortable on the ball, comfortable in possession, can set the ball when they're under pressure to take the pressure off. And I think Dooley does that. Well, what I would say to that is I would want, if that's the position, if that's the role that we expect him to play, he needs to be able to be a little bit positionally better and just sit in front of the defence. And you don't always have to win. The ball carried through is the, is the key example of a player who knitted play together brilliantly. But he also was very positionally aware and could screen the back four without having to make challenges. He made interceptions and he was intelligent and Dooley just isn't that. Dooley, for me, Dooley passes the ball forward though as well. Like again, I think he's got a, an unfair reputation as someone who gets the ball and passes it sideways. The only player better than Dooley at that for me is O'Connell passing the ball between those lines. And Dooley might be that second pass that leads to the sixth pass, which is the shot on the goal. I just, I, yeah, I, I can see, I can see your opinions on it, you know. But it's, uh, yeah, it's down the line in it by the sounds of it. I think it's a system thing as well. I, I, you know, I come, I don't look at Dooley and think he's played alongside the player who's been the more advanced. You, you Kelly's, you, who else? Broadbent's tended to be a bit more attacking when he's played, and Dooley's been the one knitting player to get. He, he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not somebody who can sit in front of a back four. That's not a back five. You shouldn't even need someone to do that. In fairness, but that's what he's been almost what's looked like he's been told to do and it don't look like he's getting I think he'd be I think he'd be a really valuable player in a midfield three with someone sat behind him and a Conor Grant or a Ethan Briley in front or Liam Kelly we're going to persist, persist with him um, but I think there's a lot to be said about a midfielder who keeps a ball because uh, ultimately that's something a midfielder's got to do and yeah he doesn't score enough goals and doesn't make enough assists and all this, I get that. But you you need players like that. You need players who keep the ball. We've got too many who give it away. I don't I don't disagree with you, Ryan, but we don't play with a three-man midfield, so what's the point of having a player like Stephen Dooley? Um, well, I'm going to move on before we go too far, before this becomes the Stephen Dooley show, uh, <laughs> and bring, bring a, a player who's equally divisive into the mix. Um, Ryan, I'll come back to you with this one. Alex Newby, are you offering him a new deal or not? <laughs> I'd offer him, offer him one to go. Um, no. You're leaving it there, yeah? Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get too heated, Dean. <laughs> Luke, do you agree? Yeah, he, unfortunately, Newby stinks of, of our season as a whole. You know, he's one player that sums up our entire season as a whole for me. Um and he's the one that I get most frustrated about because I've, I I really liked him last season. And I think he's got ability and I was looking forward to seeing him in League Two. I thought he started the season excellently. I thought, what you know, we've got a right player on our hands and he's been pathetic. He's been absolutely pathetic. And I can't forgive that second half performance against Leighton Orient as, as an individual. He was that bad. Um, and yeah, it's disappointing because he's definitely got ability. But um, if he was 21... I'd, I'd have him, but he's at an age now where his inconsistencies and his his character on the pitch shouldn't be questioned. And um, yeah, he's not he's not cut out for it for me. Chaff, I'm going to give you 
a minute to defend him because I'm aware that we've we've run over a little bit on Stephen Dooley, but I know you're you've been a little bit more praising of him this season than the rest of us. Would you offer him a deal or not? I probably wouldn't, to be honest with you. Um and I have been a little bit more sort of praising of him with this second half of the season when we've really needed players to, to drag us out of situations. I, I just don't. I just think he's been found wanting a little bit, and he reminds me so much of uh, Brad Inman in that respect. I think he's he'd probably suit a team that is all that, that that's an attacking team that 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 score goals on a very regular basis and challenge further up the table. I think he probably suits a a, a team like that, maybe like a someone someone challenging. I think because you. you the, the weaknesses are not as highlighted as what they are when you're battling. He's just not a player that you want in the trenches, is he, at all? Um, don't want to really... I'm trying to think of a better term because I might be, might be doing him a disservice here, but a, a prima donna springs to mind. Um, bags of skill. Can win your games can also be completely and utterly anonymous and incredibly frustrating to watch. So in answer to a, in, in answer to your question, he's not getting a deal from me either. Well, that was a, that was a 50, 50 vote. I think when I put, put these questions to the, to the Twitter followers and um, it looks like we're all in agreement, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> um, going on to the last two, Ryan, I'll come back to you. Um, Jim McNulty's contract's up. I think we all expect him to stay at least as a coach, but would you keep his playing contract as well for, for next season? Depends on the wage difference between him just being a coach and being a player coach for me. If there is one, then I'd perhaps just sign him as a coach. If the wage doesn't change and he gets the same amount of money as a coach as he would a player, given that we're losing three centre-halves, and being left with Max Taylor and Sam Graham, I'd suggest he's the best of those. Well, he's better than those two. So I'm not absolutely not saying he's going to be in our starting 11 all season next season. Is he worth being a. Let's be right. If we're playing three at the back, you need fat. You probably need six centre backs. You might get away with five if you keep Keoghan. I'd toy with giving him one. Yeah, I think it's worth, personally, I think it's worth keeping him, keeping his registration at least in case he's needed. Uh, and, and yeah, like you said, we are going to need a lot of new defenders, bad looks things. So I think it makes sense just as a as a last resort kind of backup um, to keep him involved. And then, Luke, I'll come to you with this last one. I think I, I, think I already know what your answer is going to be. But Max Clark, um, surprisingly on the poll, well, surprisingly to me anyway, um, 70% of people would have would have kept him. How did you feel? Yeah, no, I don't like him. I think he's bang, bang, bang average, I think. Um, I'm not sure. don't really know what he's kind of brought to the team or, you know, what you could highlight he's, he's particularly good at. You know, I think his engine's all right. He can get up and down, but I think there's, there's potentially better out there. Um, you've got to kind of look at it and think he's been playing for a contract all the way along, you know, he's given that he was only signed to the end of the season, be it 
another contract with us or, or, or a contract with someone else. And I just don't think he's done enough. I think um, I think he's very good at, at, at disguising himself as someone who is a, pro, is a proper player. And I just don't think he is. Um, I've, I've, I've described him as a bit of a plastic footballer, to be honest, for those reasons. I think he's the way he kind of his body language on the pitch when he tries to motivate people around him. I think he's a talking effort. Um, and I feel like I can see through it. Um, and I just think, yeah, I just I think he had a really good start. And I think people might be clouded by that because I, I, there's not been another game since since his debut where I thought, yeah, he's 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 looked really good there. So for me, um He's had enough of a of a kind of period with us to, to judge him as a player, and um, I think we can do better. Yeah, I think part of that seventy percent might be the fact that his better performances have all come at, at home, um, and I think away from home he's been indicative of quite how poor we've been, um, especially going forward. His crossing it just seems to have fallen off a cliff since those early games, aside from the assist he got for Kiyoway a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. So that's the release list. We'll see what actually um, comes out of the club next week, presumably after the Newport final game of the season. We'll finish off with with another one of our um, appearance games. Um, so I've done the same as I did last week, just opened a load of tabs up on Wikipedia. Um, and Luke, I'm going to come to you first. Um, and then we'll go Ryan and then Chaff. So it's going to be a higher or lower question. Um, if these players have played in two spells for Dale, I'll try and quickly do a bit of maths and work out what their overall number of appearances are, but do not quote me because maths is not my strong point. So I'm going to open these up. The first one is Jamie Allen and the second one is Callum Camps. So Jamie Allen is the first. So Callum Camps, did he make more or less appearances than Jamie Allen's 133? I'm going to say he made more, Brucey. Correct. Callum Camps with 201. So, um, Ryan, I'm expecting this to be an easier one because I think that might be the highest <laughs> we've got. Um, oh, maybe not. Let's have a look. So, um, second on the list, Adam Rundle. Are we going higher or lower than 201 appearances for Dale? Lower, surely. Yeah, lowers correct, 132. So, Chaff, over to you next. And we have got Matty Lund, 132 appearances. Are you going higher or lower? Uh, all but two spells, was it three? Do you have a lawn spell in between as well? No, just two. Oh. Going higher. Higher is correct. 149 appearances over the two spells for Dale. Next up, Luke, you've got, I think this should be a pretty easy one, if I'm being honest, Donald McDermott. Lower, Bruce. Donald McDermott. Lower is correct. 54 appearances for Dale. And back to you, Rye. And we've got Nathaniel Mendes-Lang. Are we going higher or lower? On 50, 54, was it? I can't remember how long it Did you just do six? Higher. Higher is correct. Well done. 
<laughs> 72 appearances for Dale, Nathaniel Mendes Lang. So, um, are we over to you now, Chaff? Mm-hmm. And we have got Brad Inman. So, are you going higher or lower on Brad Inman with 72 appearances? I think this is going to be really close. You've well had this. Um, going lower, just. You're going lower than 72. It's correct. 54 appearances. Um, so, next up, is it? are we over to Luke again now yet? Yeah. Luke, you've got, I think you've got an easy one again, mate. Joe Thompson, higher or lower? Ooh. Hiya, Bruce. <laughs> Hiya is correct. I'm just going to work out how many exactly. 175 appearances for Dale. So, Ryan, over to you. 175 is the number, and our player is Brian Barry Murphy. Is he higher or lower? Lower. Yeah, easy enough. Is anyone going to get caught out? Chaff, back over to you. And we've got Andrew Tutt, higher or lower than Brian Barry Murphy's 66, I think that was. That's a good question. I'm going to go higher. Higher is correct. More than I thought. Um, he is on 95 league. Oh, that's quite a bit higher than I thought. Yeah. Um, so next up after that, we are going to... Oh, it's another easy one. Um, who's, <laughs> who's go? Is it Luke again? Luke, you are plucking the easy ties here for me. Uh, Bastian Harry. Lower. Yeah, correct. And then we're over to Ryan. Ryan, higher or lower than Bastian Harry's 32. We've got <laughs> MJ Williams. Higher. Higher with 56. Is the good is anyone gonna lose? We're over to Chaff. Yeah. And we've got Neil Briscoe. And what is it? 52 I'm, is the score. I think I'm still going lower. Lower's correct, 27. And then we are over to Luke. John Doolan, higher or lower than 27? Higher. 83. Lock it. Are you <laughs> going to get caught out? David Perkins, higher or lower than 83? Got to be higher, honey. Oh, unlucky, mate. That is the closest one of all the ones I've said so Ooh. far, to be fair. 78, David Perkins. Unlucky. So we're down to our final two. And it's back mm-hmm. over to Chaff. And Chaff, you've got 78. In both spells? Over both spells, yeah. So David Perkins with 78 is the score to beat. And we are on Peter Vincenti. Higher or lower? Higher. Higher is correct. 131. I'm starting to worry that the game will be beaten at this rate. And over to you, Luke, with David Flitcroft. Higher or lower than 131? Higher. Higher is correct. 161. And then, Shaft, back over to you. We have got Nicky Adams. 
Boa. Well, was correct, yes, 74. <laughs> uh, and we're over to back over to Luke with oh Callum Higginbottom. Higher all over than 74. Oh. Who's the player that had 74 now? Nicky Adams. Nicky Adams. Nicky Adams. Oh, or fewer than David Perkins. Oh, this this oh, this is it. this is close. This is very close. Oh, oh man! <laughs> this one, oh, <laughs> I'm killing off at this one. <laughs> um, higher. Oh, Luke, so closely. <laughs> it was a great effort, but yeah. unfortunately, Callum Higginbottom made two fewer appearances for Dale than Nick Adams. 72. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a great effort, mate. A great effort as well, Ryan. Yeah. But Chaffer is supreme this week. Uh, we'll be back with one more of those um, with the forwards next week, and then we'll go back to our, our normal game. Or if anyone's got any other ideas for little games we can finish the podcast with, just drop me a line on Twitter. Uh, for now, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much. Chaff. Nice one. Cheers, mate. Cheers, right. Nice one, Dean. Cheers, Luke. Cheers, lads. And thanks to you all for listening. Catch you all next time. Hope you help. I only had him. Yeah, he actually made more because I, I didn't realize I missed one of the loan spells, so he was actually quite a bit off. <laughs> oh, was it? All right. Yeah, I missed one of the loan spells off. He was actually, he actually, I missed eleven of his appearances. T boss will be on you. One hundred percent, he will be. Yeah, I'm going to have to go and edit that. Luke, if he said eighty-five, what would you have said about Iggy? Uh, I would have said lower than eighty-five. Yeah. Would you write off? Yeah, I asked. Is that your pants down? Yeah, I'm oh, not gonna. Come, I'm, not gonna I'm not gonna kick up a fuss. I'm not gonna kick up a fuss. I'm better than that. Well, the good. Well, you'll be hearing from my fucking lawyers, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is I'm still recording, so I can put this out as a little bit after the. <laughs> <laughs>